You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Father, um, uh, be with us. We do pray for all those that were affected by the storms last night. Um, tend to every need uh, uh, as it is needed. Um, and for us gathered here today, now, Lord, I pray that you would, as a, as a hen gathers her, chicks beneath her wings so you too would gather us and be gracious to us clarify what you would like us to know in jesus name amen, amen. so on the back end of this happy palm sunday to everyone um, we don't have any classes next week with it being easter sunday and then we'll wrap this se- short series on short summaries up the week after easter um have a little bit of uh sort of choose your own adventure in front of us perhaps um with uh, what I've called an excursus, excursus number two in the handout on antinomianism, uh, which the Apostle Paul himself dealt with uh, at least three times in the middle section of Romans, Romans 6 and 7. That's a uh, nomos, is the Greek word for law, and so it's the gospel being preached uh, in its freeing power, um, uh, sometimes, I would say all the time, the question comes up, what then shall we say? about the law of God, or the first word of God. Is there no place for the law of God in the life of a Christian? Um, and so the charge of anti-nomianism or against the lawism is often raised. So we could go there, or we could go to um, uh, what was listed in the leaflet where we talk about the church, liturgy, and... Uh, what else did I write about? <laughs> I don't remember what it was. Um, worship. Worship the church and liturgy. Um, any nods one way or another you want to go? We can maybe touch on both, but I'm not sure we can get proper treatment to all. Can you do it another week? Um, could. We've got one more week where we're going to be um, kind of wrapping up. And all this is kind of leading to what um, this is where it is sort of a uh, not necessarily the majority opinion. Um, I'm actually trying to lay out and clarify some things, as mentioned last week, to clarify the content of our convictions, um, and particularly our convictions of Reformational Anglicanism, if you want to call it that, or especially Cramnerian, Thomas Cramner, the architect of the uh, uh, the prayer books, what's uh, less known, the homilies and the 42 articles, which later became the 39 articles. This is, I think, part and parcel of kind of the way he thought. Um, he was apprehended by the Word, and the Word did its work on Thomas Cramner. So this is the the lenses through which he saw the world, so to speak, um, the world being the church, ministry, uh, his relationship with the king, etc., and so forth. And so that'll be the last week. Is a little bit about what is um, the via media or the middle way of Anglicanism, as it's often called. So that's where we're headed. So there'll be some time to do that. Um, why don't we do a little bit on antinomianism, and then I'll kind of bridge that over um, into the last week there. Does that make sense? Good. So as I mentioned in the first paragraph, what is Antinomianism, the charge or belief that the law, nomos, um, has no place in God's work in his creation or on individual sinners. Um, from the Greek word for law, it describes an against the lawism. What shall we say about that? Let's, um, let me just look in the way that Paul was charged in this way in Romans 6 and 7. I think I have those listed in a footnote down there. I do. Um, uh, and so in the beginning of, of Romans 6, so in the course of the way he's describing one of the 
the great, as they call them, the Himalayas of the of of the scriptures in Romans 5. Um, he uh, as he, he just puts it out there is while we were yet weak and while we we're powerless, um, while we're still sinning, while we're even God's enemies, He showed His love for us in this that He died for us, and so it's that one way. Uh, offensive, scandalous love where God comes down and we never go up um, and God invades and assaults us. He does his work to us um, in some ways in a very ungentlemanly way, you could even say, where he's not asking our permission or doing anything else. And that's where he sort of sets up the gospel as being a very powerful work of God, the power of God itself in Romans 5. And so he anticipates the internal monologue of his reader and he says this what shall we say then are we to continue in sin that grace may in grace may abound by no means how can we who died to sin still live in it and paul has established that the law is that which tells us that we are sinners and then later uh, in the same chapter he says the same thing what then are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace by no means do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one to whom you obey, either sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. And then even a third time, uh, in, uh, in the uh, first third of, of chapter 7, what then shall we say? That the law is sin by no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. So all this is to say it was something that Paul, the charge of antinomian, Paul, you're against the law. Um, you've, you've lost your mind. You're so into the gospel that you're saying the law now has no place. And he wants to say three times, by no means. You didn't hear the first part of the sermon. Um, the law and the gospel are always distinguished, but they're never separated. So the law is absolutely the first word of God, which comes again and again and again to us because of the continuing nature of sin. Because sin continueth, yea, even amongst the regenerate, as Article 6 and our 39 Articles says, uh, the law remains the needed word of God, the first word of God to diagnose our sin, to tell us of our need, um, to convict us, to say that you've been tried and now the, um, you're being convicted. You are guilty. And then even, in fact, to execute the judgment, death itself. Um, uh, that's the law. And that's the office of a law, and that's the continuing work of the law. Um, and it has an operation in the life of the believer, inasmuch as the believer remains the old Adam. But where the law is at its end, and I'll stop, um, uh, but where the old Adam finds his death, the law is at his end. And now the new word, the second word, the final word of God, calls forth the old, uh, 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 calls forth the new from the grave. Um, and now the Christian, inasmuch as he's the new creature, remember the simul? Simul used to I do this with my, this isn't the heart, it's Bono, I'm the MasterCard people. Remember the overlap of the circles. Um, I thought that was hilarious. I just, I just totally cracked myself up inside. Um, I think Carolyn Langford's probably the only one that got it, sir. Um, inasmuch as we are the new creature, we are no longer under the law but we are under the grace. We are under the word of the gospel, which now calls us forth into a lively faith. Um, and it is not our own so that no one may boast. So, antinomian, by no means. Um, but against the law in the life of the new creature, 
yes, we may say that we are against that use of the law. And that's what I said at the end. I call it an excursus because I am aware that this is, um, this is, a, this is a hot button for a lot of people. Um, and I'm not necessarily the majority opinion here either, but I put it out there. So thoughts there? We can talk about a couple other things about that, but that's a good overview about antinomianism, what the question is, what the charge is, and how um, we Christians are law gospel, where the law is one word and the gospel is another, uh, there is no antinomian. Um, it's a unicorn, as somebody once said. So, questions or thoughts? It's just that clear. So, this is the whole substance of the book of Galatians, by the way, um, where I put a long footnote. I kind of got into the footnotes this week. I know that's good or bad. Um, hard to read. Raise it up. Um, what is that? Footnote six. It's dark up here. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. My, yeah, it's six on your pieces, too. This is the subject of Paul's heated letter to Galatians, where he says, You foolish Galatians, I am astonished that you are so quote, so quickly deserting uh, the gospel for another gospel, as if there is another gospel. He rushes in to say that. I'm being hyperbolic. You know, there is no other gospel. And now you're wanting to go back under the law. These other people, these super apostles, have come in and infiltrated the church, Paul says in, uh, in Galatians. And he goes... He gets pretty heated. Um, uh, you know, who has betwixt you, or who has bewitched you? Not betwixt. Who has bewitched you um, and given you this other gospel, placing you back under the law? Um, and then he goes very graphically uh, because the presenting issue was circumcision, whether or not Christians needed to go back under the Judaic law and be circumcised after, say, a Greek or a Gentile becomes a Christian. And he says, you know, I wish these super apostles, these infiltrators of the church, would go the whole way and just cut the whole thing off. And he's talking about circumcision and the removal of a certain part of a certain member. And he just says, let's cut the whole thing. And he's just right there. He just puts it, he's really mad. Um, he, he thought this was a central issue, at least in the church. It's the question, without naming it, it's the question of the role of the law. In the life of a believer, specifically the new creature which coexists with the old Adam in each one of us until Christ comes back or we die. And Paul said, you cannot, we cannot go back under the law um, for it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. How can that which is now alive in Christ go back under the ministry and the ministrations of death, i.e. the law? So if you want a real, you know, a six chapter explication of this idea. Um, exhibit A is Paul's letter to the Galatians. Um, it's, a, it's a good book. Um, maybe that's it. Maybe that's maybe it wasn't as long as I thought it was going to be. Um, yes? Could we fall into that same trap? I feel like Galatians is a real gift. Could we fall into that same trap as it relates to baptism? Oh, sure. Thank you. Um, Somebody here is kind of setting it up where I wrote that in um, worship. Um, we'll get there. Where it's so easy for us to not only set up these, uh, to give worth, which is the root of the word worship, um, to give worth to all sorts of things other than God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, 
gone are totems and wooden statues and stuff for the most part. Um, uh, but in their place are good things otherwise. Um, hobbies, work, sex, marriage, children, but even the gifts of the church. Sacraments, baptism, communion, the Bible itself, the liturgy, uh, uh, certain practice, um, Christian practices, where we confuse the vehicle, um, the delivery mechanism for God's grace uh, with the one who is God's grace before whom we worship and fall down. But we'll get there again in a few minutes, maybe. But that's a great, yep, absolutely. We could easily, um, it's not just about circumcision. Uh, uh, it's, it can be about any number of things. So I appreciate you setting that up. Yeah, Frank. <laughs> In in that in that particular context of Galatians, or yeah, yeah, the yeah, thank you. Um, so the law, uh, it, this is why I called them short summaries, even though they've gotten to be pretty long. Um, as you can imagine, it's there's a lot to the law. I mean. The, the books of the Old Testament and the other books in the New Testament. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of words in there. And, um, the law, the the uh, the ceremonial law, the moral law, the juridical law, all the different sort of subspecies or subtypes of the law, uh, the dietary laws and some others. Uh, some of those were turned over outright. Um, uh, in the Book of Acts, where uh, where the Lord declares to Peter through a dream that all foods are now clean. I think we can reasonably say just all of the dietary laws were turned over. Now, take and eat, you know, for all this is yours. Uh, but other parts, they don't do that. Responsibility of my brother's keeper, for instance, right back there at the beginning of, of Genesis, in Genesis 4. We're not relieved from that part of the law. Um, and so it comes to us as the word of law. You're not, you're, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um, conviction, death, the word administration, and the word gospel the creative word which calls me out and I find myself now doing what the word describes being more attuned to the needs of others and moving towards them um, uh, in grace and in compassion and in kindness and humility so now I'm off coming back to your question Frank uh, does that help is there the subtypes of the law as it were like Yep. So the Ten Commandments. Um, yeah, I don't think he's he's not he doesn't want to draw the Decalogue out the Ten Commandments to say these are the ones we're going to keep and the other what is it 716 I think there's 726 laws so they found um, uh, in one form or another in uh, in the Pentateuch the first five books. Uh, Something like that. So we only got, you know, we got 10 out of 726. I don't think it's necessarily that, but I think the Decalogue, the 10, kind of shorthand. They're a good way in to the whole of the law, um, especially Commandment number 10, where the first nine are more outward, and the last one, "Thou shalt not covet," which now Jesus takes, in, especially in Matthew 5, in the first chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, and just ramps it up. 
and says, now it pulls in the inclinations of the heart, which go all the way back to what is sin, if you're following that and following the theological language that was out there, concupiscence. Um, uh, that's where the tenth commandment, thou shalt not covet. And then Matthew 5, um, you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder, you shalt not commit adultery, you shalt not... Um, what was the other one? Uh, uh, yeah, there's another one. He said, you heard it said, and I said, the, anyway, whatever it is. Uh, and then he ramps it up and says, but now it's it's what proceeds from the heart and not what comes out of your hands or your mouth. Um, for if you so much as go, you've killed him. You know, that's what raka means. It's just sort of this dismissive sort of attitude as much as anything else. Um, and so it's not, thou shalt not murder. Well, good, check. No, none of us get off that clean. So the Ten Commandments are amplified, expanded, to be pretty inclusive, that we're all alike under sin. Mm. So, read it. If it's helpful to you, that's another reason it's an excursus, because it gets a little bit technical, um, uh, but hopefully not completely technical. I tried not to make it so obtuse that it was hard to follow, but it might be. But that's also why it's an excursus. So if it's helpful, great. If it's not, C.S. Lewis is good, good, uh, good counsel. If you read a book and you don't like it, put it down. Just don't keep reading. That's what he said, and I think it's a great thing. Just, just go on to the next one. You know, it's not worth it. Just because it's quote unquote an important book. If it's not where you are at the right time, the right place, just keep on going. There's something out there that's for you. Um, so if that's true, then turn the page to what is worship. <laughs> Um, so worship uh, worship is paying or giving an object its worth or its due so you know the word a little bit of a compound word it's worth ship that's a nice way to kind of go into it and I'll repeat the same thing I've said each week um, uh, not saying everything about worship or any particular topic just trying to say something about it and that's kind of where I center these reflections as we worship um, in the experience of repentance which I think is also a nice way worship has at its basis repentance, just like all of the Christian life, all of our life lived beneath the cross has to do with repentance, where it's not something that we do, but it's the word that's done to us, where we now come to our senses, the word of behold or awake or truly, truly. Uh, all those, those signifiers in the scriptures uh, which will want to sort of alert us to say this is what's real and true and actual repentance um, repent and believe um, be repented and be given faith be given belief um, be turned have a new heart repentance where all that is worship and where we see things for a moment um, uh, as it actually is uh, from within that we worship God and we recognize him in the correct relationship that we have as creator and father and we are his creatures and his children and that's the bishop of worship, where now we give him the right worth. You are my God and my Lord, and I am your creature, and more than that, your child. Those two things are different. All are creatures of God, for he's the creator. But for those of us who have been saved, who are being saved and who will be saved, we've also been given the status of child, adopted through his son, now our brother, Christ Jesus our Lord, our brother, uh, who gives us access, membership, security in the family of God. And that's remarkable. And that's worship 
because that's a word of repentance, which now we're turned to see things as they actually are. And now it's a right relationship. Let God be God, and I'll stay here and just worship you. Um, and so went through and looked at a couple of uh, examples of that. Um, probably the two best, um, where we get the, uh, uh, the, the phrasing in our uh, communion liturgy, holy, 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 that appears twice, the trice holy uh, appears twice in the scriptures, once in Isaiah 6, where the prophet Isaiah is commissioned and called by God, um, uh, where he has a glimpse of what's going on in heaven, uh, where the seraphim are, are, uh, are around the throne of God saying, holy, holy, holy. Um, uh, is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And as this happened, the foundations of the threshold shook um, and the smoke swirled around. And Isaiah's response, woe is me. Just like we say in our liturgy, um, Lord have mercy. When we're in that holiness, that otherness, that sense that God is God and I am not, and we see it afresh, our response like Isaiah and would also be John in his revelation in Revelation 4 is woe is me, I am unclean, I am not worthy, you are worthy and I am unworthy, um, for I am lost and I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. But for my eyes have seen the King, and I have beheld him and his glory as the one of only, the Lord of hosts. So, uh, after all that, the next action is God coming down to Isaiah, a gracious act. Um, behold, there's that word again. It's all over the place once you start looking for it in the scriptures. It's everywhere. The word of repentance, of seeing things clearly. Behold, your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Um, worship involves being repented by God and seeing the relationship between the sinning human and the saving God correctly. Behold. And that's where I extended it. We'll hit pause. Um, into this uh, question of idolatry, um, all the different ways that now as we think about, which is why we started here, the sin and its continuing nature, that the power of sin keeps coming back in, that the old Adam uh, was drowned in baptism, but like I said last week, the jackass is a good swimmer, and he keeps coming back again and again and again and again and again. And so I see him aright, and I worship him as the Lord, and then I turn away and I go back to the advertisements in yesterday's newspaper. And I think they're so interesting and I can't and I kick my eyes off of them. Um, that was from the screw tape letters, this great image that, uh, that Lewis again had. Um, anything will distract us from the one true God. And that is the just pernicious truth about sin. And so all these things which are themselves good, family, work, uh, reputation, profession, amusements, hobbies, sex, um, music, lots of things can take us from God. We're now giving them worth, central worth, undue worth, uh, and, and in fact being cruel, especially to somebody else that now we're worshiping as if they're our Savior. That's a big problem in marriages, and it's an especially big problem as we do that to our children. They're carrying a burden that they can't bear to put that kind of responsibility on them. And that's also where I have a footnote. Um, no, yeah, it was a footnote. Nope, it's in the middle. Um, even the church, theology, liturgy, sacraments, the Bible itself, you know, somebody like me who's pursuing uh, clarity and what the gospel is and what it's not, that, that becomes an idol to me, just, just in, a, in a heartbeat, where now 
you know, right thinking about the gospel becomes idolatrous because I am so fixated on making sure this is right that I've lost the power of the word, the second word of God, which stops all other words. Um, it's crazy how that can happen. The signifier, the sign, or the vehicle uh, which points us to God or delivers us um, uh, from ourselves back to God uh, can get so easily displaced um, and put into its into the periphery. That is idolatry. And it's repentance which tells us that, oh, I did it again. <laughs> Um, uh, and it brings us back to our right relationship with him. So that's, um, that's worship. Um, a couple other things, but that's probably enough. Questions or thoughts there? Kind of flying through here. Yeah. So the law, the word of God, um, and so it's living and active. Um, we don't use it. Uh, the, the, the law interprets us. It's kind of repeating some language from, from earlier where it's outside of us and it's doing its work on us. And so it absolutely um, is, is the, a word of God. The gospel can also lead us to repentance, but the law can lead us to repentance. Um, best example, one of the best in the scriptures is, is Nathan, the prophet Nathan to to uh, to, to David, um, the man after God's own heart, who who murdered and committed adultery and all other sorts of of uh, of being drunk, which is another way of saying not seeing things as they actually are. Um, uh, and and Nathan got him side door, a word of the law saying you are the man. Um, uh, a declaration, um, not an imperative, no word of action, but the law was laid on him where it diagnosed his condition and said, you are acting like you were God and you displaced your father, your true father, from his rightful position. Um, so the word of the law is central in repentance. Um, but then it's the word of the gospel, which then gives us true repentance. We talked about that too, as Cramer puts it in his morning prayer absolution, that then the experience of being loved actually tells us who we are fully, completely, truly, actually, and for all time. Um, with the, the, the parable of the prodigal son being the best example, that he had a repentance prepared, sort of that minor repentance is like, I could do better than this, sitting here in the pods. Uh, then that, that's pig food. Um, but when the father doesn't let him finish his little prepared speech, but loves him while he's yet sinning, covered in sty, uh, he came. He, he was fully himself. Um, uh, so the two words of God, um, each of which can operate in bringing us to our senses to see things as they actually are. So, does that help? Is that your question? Is that right? Yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, Gil, you, I don't think you can say that enough. I mean, that is all the time. Yep. The, today's uh, parable and sermon and the third servant, he just didn't know that he was loved. I mean, he saw yeah. the master is a, a tough, mean, whatever person. Yep. Yep. And uh, so, hence, he did nothing with what was given him. He didn't understand that God loved him. Yeah. And that would have turned all the whatever he was giving yep. into something. Yep, yeah. yep. And the, and the master eventually took on the punishment that he, he was 
the master exactly right. Yep. And so bring him here to be slaughtered in what, let's say that was Thursday before Palm Sunday. You know, eight days later, mm-hmm. the one who's saying that himself is slaughtered. Mm-hmm. The punishment, which was rightfully there, he sort of got the was law, there. He just didn't yeah, get the didn't gospel. get the gospel. So, that's exactly right. Difficult parable. <laughs> yeah. Um, but right there. So quickly, the liturgy. Um, just give you some highlights if you're interested in reading these sorts of things. Uh, more wordplay. Um, interesting etymology coming from uh, the word from people and work, Laos and Aragon. Uh, and it's traditionally been called work of the people because it was a, it was first not a not a church word. It was a Greek word. Uh, where uh, people of a certain class, sort of the, the upper class, um, or maybe sort of what artisan class of, of Greece, of Athens, uh, rather than being taxed directly, they would just kind of have responsibility to do certain um, public works, like put on a play, um, do some art, sponsor music, that kind of thing. And so it became the work of the people, the liturgy of the citizens in Athens, where they could have contributed to a common pot so that you know, there'd be a Fourth of July parade or something else like that. Um, the church adopted the word to describe its order of worship, presumably because we have acolytes and lectors and lay readers and all that sort of stuff. But the better definition, rather than calling it the work of the people, hopefully inside of everything else that we've been talking about for the last six weeks, is the work on the people, where the word does the work. And Zach Hicks helped me with this. Um, credit where credit is due. Uh, uh, where it's the work on the people, where we enter into worship, worship as repentance, where the word uh, is enacted. Um, I have a long footnote here of how Cramner uh, really put this together. This is the bridge towards next next week um, uh, through the law and the gospel, and then the gospel leading us to a stirred affection so that now our members move and we do something. We offer prayer, praise, oblation, thanksgiving, and offering, giving our money. Uh, uh, And so it's law, gospel, stirred affection, that it's the work being done on the people in the way that the Bible is arranged for worship um, so that we see ourselves aright and what God has done for me so that now I'm free, again, to move about the cabin, um, offering uh, this... this, uh, this statement, this is this creed. First thing we do is the collect for purity. You know, so all hearts are open, all desires known from from no secrets are hid. That's bad news. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts. Petition, um, and then come the readings, law and gospel, and then we respond with the stirred affection. As I realize that I'm loved, and I stand and I say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, and in Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Spirit. And it's the clear statement, a repented statement of clarity about who I am, about my Father, my, my, my God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so that's what's in this little section about liturgy, the, uh, the arrangement of our worship, um, seeing God clearly um, where his work is being done on us, much more than it's sort of our work. Um, so that's a, a word play there. Time for a comment or two before we talk about the church. We won't say much. The bells are about to ring. Yes, Zach did. Yep, yep, yep. Um, It's wonderful and very, very helpful on our liturgy and why we say what we say when we say it and the origins of it all. Thank you. On our website, if you can't find it, you know, email me. I'm happy to show you where it is. But it's there. Like if you click on about on our website, it'll say our guide to our liturgy and 
it's a, it's a well done PDF. Agreed. Yes. So. Thank you. So. Um, and then, what is the church? Uh, uh, it's the expression of God loves God's love for sinners. The gospel is the creative word of God um, that God creates by speaking. Um, first parts of Genesis and John and Hebrews are uh, great verses which which uh, uh, support that statement. And it is through His speaking the gospel that faith is given utterly as a gift. Um, Romans ten. And Ephesians 2, and as God gathers those to whom he gives belief and faith, the gather assembly of believers is the church. That's that's what church is, and biblically speaking, more specific. And from the New Testament's perspective, the church is the gathering of people who've been given belief, the gathered people of God. Um, it's come to mean a lot of other things, and we talk about that a little bit in here. Uh, or I do, but as a creature of the gospel, the church, because the gospel is the creative word of God, the church is born from the gospel, so the church is a creature of the gospel. As a creature of the gospel, brought into being by the living and active word of God, it exists of the word, under the word, and for the word, as it is created, nourished, served, and strengthened by the word. Church happens when God speaks to sinners and saints laying the groundwork there for um, the last uh, footnote there on the bottom of, uh, of how then we approach as a church some of the vexing questions throughout our history, um, some of the contemporary questions, but also ones um, that have been put before us in, our, um, in the church's history with the checkered past uh, where we don't always get it right. And again, Cramner kind of building this groundwork to say this is, this is actually not... not, 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 not not a disembodied series, but it's about us, um, at least as we are uh, Anglicans. Uh, Cramner, it wasn't Hooker. Um, this idea of a three-legged stool that most people have heard of, forget it. Never said it. Um, uh, it came out in the 19th century. They called it a three-legged stool. But it's a great story. You don't have time to tell it. Um, uh, but Cramner, in response to something called the Act of Six Articles in 1538 and 1539, at real risk to his own life, because Henry had already killed a lot of his his uh, his best friends, um, Thomas More being one of them. He was his tutor as a child, and he had him executed. I mean, he was a brutal, brutal king. Uh, but but he loved Cramner. They were friends, and Cramner was a man of real courage. And he said, King, I want to write a response to this. And he said, Go ahead. And so he wrote out a memo. Uh, uh, to what was called the Act of Six Articles, and this is the first place where he laid out this, this uh, as Ashley Noel calls it, an Anglican triad of authorities. Um, big fancy word is epistemology, just how we know what we know and how we discern knowledge. And so this idea that Cramner and some others came up with, he's the first to kind of codify it, where Scripture first, and then where Scripture is either silent or is not as clear as it needs to be, then tradition, tradition being the living faith of the dead, as somebody once called it, or as Jude calls it, the, uh, the faith that was once and for all, or once and finally delivered to all the saints, Jude 3, um, uh, to see how have other people throughout the centuries before me, that I don't exist in and of myself, we, in 2019, aren't sort of operating all alone. I wonder how others have approached this same question. 
where Scripture um, needs uh, that extra clarification. We look to tradition. And then lastly, and with great caution, um, we seek the wisdom of our own uh, human reason. Not against reason in any way, shape, or form. I hope just the emphasis on you know learning is evidence of that. But again, going all the way back to the beginning, we have to always be careful with our own reason. Why? Because of sin and its continuing nature. It never leaves us. And so just because I think it's right, I hope we have enough humility to be able to say, like, I'm wrong somewhere. I'm always wrong somewhere. By definition, I'm wrong somewhere because of sin. Um, so where Scripture speaks, and then tradition, and then lastly, um, the smallest circle, big circle, medium circle, small circle, we can then seek reason. So that's where that all comes out. A nice place to put that in this idea of church and how we gather together as the people of God um, beneath the word of God. Um, and then this place of uh, beginning to make a bridge towards our um, our Anglican structure and authority. So that's probably good. 1049. Comment or two? Um Lots to cover today. I didn't think we were going to cover it all. This is the first week I think I've actually at least touched on every topic that was in front of you. Um, uh, a thought or two? Anybody? Then, uh, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit rest with us now and this week in a particular way as we consider uh, and remember His Son, His life and His death, and then uh, next Sunday, the glory of his resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a good week, everyone. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.